So if you want to hear more of our podcast, please click on jamesandsana.com and you can hear our previous episodes. And please subscribe because James has some good word of wisdoms every morning to share with you guys through that email that comes into your inbox. Good morning, honey. Good morning, sweetness. How are you doing today? Fine as frog's hair. If I was any better, there'd have to be two of me. <laughs> okay. So are you ready for today's podcast? Nope, but I'm going to do it anyway, because that's the way I roll. Good, I'm happy, because whether you're ready or not, I'm going to keep you here and make you answer to some questions. Okay, bring it on, baby. I live for moments like this. Good morning to everyone who's listening to us. Um, Well, we were just brainstorming what we were going to talk about, and I just thought uh, for a while that um, James's life is actually very interesting. It hasn't been boring. Because he always talks about how my life is interesting and how much I've been through and up and down and stuff like that. And he always appreciate that how I am strong and dealing with everything all alone. But I just feel like um, I don't um, I, I don't I don't see that I need anybody to pity for me or even um, I don't want to even remember my past. And I was just thinking, how about talking about James? Because James's life is really interesting. And I divided his life into three phases. Of, uh, three phases. Right. Three phases. But I feel like there was a phase started and then he just left it. And there's another phase. He just left it. And there's the third one. He left it. And now the fourth one that I'm <laughs> in. <laughs> well, let's hope I don't leave this one. There was this trend in it. So I like this one. <laughs> I'm going to stay. I'm going to I'm going to stay with this phase, honey. Um, I like this one. We will see. I'm not going to I'm not going to leave. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see who will leave first. <laughs> All right. <laughs> War of attrition with James and Sana. <laughs> <laughs> so, honey, um now today we are going to touch on the second phase of your life because we kind of talked about how you've been the conscientious objector and that's mm-hmm. really rewarding, respectful. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm respectful of your decision and I think the moral of the action was uh, something that everybody can learn from to apply in their life. But uh, maybe many people may not resonate with it because in practical life, people might go through a lot of suffering after that, like you have mentioned. Uh, it was not very easy life was difficult there's so much of um, objections from your loved ones and people around you and people still question you on it and it's kind of like a mark uh, on your skin that always remain <laughs> right <laughs> but um, okay I'm not going to talk about that much it was just a summary of what we talked about on the other podcast but today I'm going mm-hmm. to take you into the second phase, which was you deciding uh, to go to a seminary school 
Mm-hmm. To become a pastor, and in order wait, wait, to wait, 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 uh, uh, hold on, hold on, I have to interrupt. But what is the first phase? The conscientious objector. Yeah. But that was that occurred that was after second. seminary. Yeah, but I I thought because since we already published it, I make it second this one. Okay, so the first phase comes after the second phase. Not practically, but because we you already published that one. I see. Okay. Okay. So I'm putting it this way. So, all right, so the events of my life that are being recorded on this podcast it's a bit, yeah. are not in chronological order. Mm-hmm. So the tenth phase is my birth. <laughs> yeah, can I continue? Yes, I just had to get clarity on that, honey. I wasn't totally sure where you were going with that. Mm-hmm. Yes, you may continue. So in order to explain that part of your life to our audiences, I divided this interview in two parts where I'm going to get really, really personal with you. And we're going to go to your spiritual (coughs) side of you. So are you ready? No, but let's do it anyway. Okay. So James, tell us a bit about yourself. Something that uh, that much that you want anybody in the world to know about you just tell us and maybe you will continue by telling us what was all your life some of your hobbies your interest what defines you as who you are and also touch on some of your weaknesses and strength that make you stand out and become unique is that one question yeah part of one question so your answer will be all in one that's part of one question? Yeah. Wow. That's some question. Honey, are you serious? You want to do it or not? I'm, it's just a really extremely loaded question. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Tell us about yourself. While you're telling mm-hmm. us about yourself, talk about your hobbies, interests, and some of your weakness and strength that make you unique as who you are. Mm-hmm. It's not but that's like five questions. When you talk about yourself, what would you put mm-hmm. in there? I want—I don't want it to be like usual stuff. I'm a podcaster. Da, 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 da. I want it more fun. Mm-hmm. Hobbies, interests, oh. my my strength, my weakness, how people see me, how my family see me, how my friends sees me, how my wife sees me. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Um, well, I guess people would see me as someone who does what he believes is right and um, doesn't doesn't uh, wait around to, to see what other people think is the right thing for him to do. He acts on what he believes is the right thing to do. Some people might say that decisions I've made have been impulsive. Um, I don't think they have. Uh, but I, I, I don't rely on conventional wisdom or I don't rely on the way that you're, quote, supposed to do things to guide my decisions for my life. I have, like you mentioned earlier, I've been to a seminary. Uh, in fact, I graduated from it 20 years ago. And for a very, very short time, I, like, held a, I guess, like a license of some sort, I guess they call it. Like, I, I was a licensed minister. I don't even really know what that means. I was never a pastor of a church, uh, never the leader of a congregation, never really held any leadership position in any 
congregation, but I did go to a seminary. We can talk more about that if you want as to why and how that came about. But uh, even even going to that seminary was raised some eyebrows with people who knew me, family and fa- friends and whatnot. People had, people had probably thought that I had gone crazy. They had they thought that I had lost my mind, and that's probably not the first time that that's happened. Like you were you were talking about my experience leaving the military. People probably thought I was insane to do what I was doing. Have a good job. I was good at it. Um, I, I was held in high regard. I, all of my evaluation reports were really, really good, very positive. I wasn't the best, but I was very positive, and uh, there wasn't any reason why I wouldn't rise to the top of the ranks. <clears throat> or, you know, rise through the ranks, I should say, higher than I was. But I just left, and I had a lot of things going for me. I had a family at the time. I had a new baby. And I just decided I can't do this anymore. I'm leaving. I, 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 I just have this moral objection to war and my, my involvement with war. Just pro- People probably thought I was insane. The person I was married to at the time didn't take kindly to it. And she let me know in no uncertain terms what exactly she thought of my decision. And that's a totally different conversation that I'm not going to get into detail here. But people probably thought I was crazy. And probably people thought that I had lost my mind when I went to seminary in 19... I got there in 1998, finished in 01. And um, so I guess that would define me. I don't rely on what people think is cool or what people think is conventional wisdom to guide my decisions. I follow my heart and I, I do what I believe is right. And for me, that's a conscientious life. Uh, and that kind of resonates with the title of the show is Voshtan. Voshtan in Persian means conscientious or awakened. I, I do what is, is the right thing for me to do. So I, I think, I hope that answers your questions. Okay. Well, <clears throat> Let's get into your spiritual life. Oh, Lord. It's not good. How did you actually become Christian? I know like we, some of us, we just born in Christian families and Christian country, or we have Christian friends. But there is that uh, threshold moment in our life that we actually become very close to God and we think that's the time that we are actually a good, true believer. When was mm-hmm. that? Tell us the story. I think looking back at my life, I first had a real experience. And by experience, I mean like I could I, I could sense that there was something different in me. Uh, not necessarily outside, but inside. I just, I felt there was something that had really happened. Like my family, we went to church all the time. And I think I was uh, 13, maybe. And I had, we, they had like this youth service at the church that we went to. And I prayed that sinner's prayer, as they, as they call it. And I, I accepted Jesus into my life. And I just remember, uh, it was like, there was something different. Than, like the next day I was in school. And there was just something inside of me that was different. And unfortunately... I lacked that um, 
discipleship or that community, I didn't really know what to do. And I think maybe the, the church that we went to, they didn't really properly follow up on it. And I, it, just, it just kind of went away as far as living the lifestyle. But there was, there was something re- remarkable that had happened inside, look, looking back at it. And um, it was a, shortly after I joined the military in 1994, I, I would, went through basic training, then went through my advanced training with the music side of things. And then I had just arrived at Fort Stewart, Georgia, this is April of 95, and there was this church called New Testament Christian Church, and um, they, they're, they're still around, and they have a lot of ministries for the military. They'll have what are, what are called servicemen's homes, where people who are in the military, if they're single and male, then uh, they, they can, there's opportunities to like, live in this servicemen's home. And uh, this somebody just came across. I, I would think I was like, hadn't even arrived at my unit yet. I was still in processing. And someone just popped in, popped his head in the door and said, hey, you want to go to a church service? I said, yeah, sure. I didn't know anybody there. I was brand new, all alone. And I went there. And uh, it was very, very different. This church was what you call Pentecostal or... Um, uh, like speaking in tongues is, is assembly of, the of assembly of God church. Yeah, you have similar uh, experience, but it, it's similar and uh, very very distinct. The preacher was extremely loud and just <laughs> it was almost like chaos. Like what the heck is going on here? From for a eighteen year old kid to be in that situation with my very conservative Midwest upbringing. It was a, it was a different experience for sure. Um, to make a long story short, I ended up getting involved with that pretty heavily a, sh- a few months after this. And I ended up moving into the servicemen's home and I came to hear of the, the Bible school that is in Graham, Washington, which is right, right outside of Tacoma. And I just decided I want to do this. I, I want I want to go to the Bible school, and I didn't know exactly what was going to happen by doing so. I just knew this is where I'm meant to be. Mm-hmm. And um, interesting. So, yeah. And how did you pursue your continued growth in your walk with God after you joined the seminary? Well, I was very I was a good student. I took really good notes in my classes. I don't have any of them, unfortunately. But they had some good classes. Uh, I I read my Bible every day. I made a habit of praying every single day. That's how I grew in grace and in the knowledge of God, as Paul said. What do you describe an idol ministry? A what? What would you describe an idol ministry? Ideal ministry? Mm. I think, I don't know. One where a person is able to give their gifts, their God-given talents, in a way that 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 best uh, uh, reflects a person's attitude, their lifestyle at that time, their beliefs. I think that's ideal. 
there's so many religion in the world. What really encouraged you and motivated you to put more effort into learning about Christianity? Well, they are the ones that reached out to me. They're the ones that, that took an interest in me. We're all social and emotional creatures. And the, it's like when you're 18 years old, the people that show an interest in you, it, it's, 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 no, it's not an accident that they reach out to the military because <clears throat> oftentimes people are young, they're impressionable, their minds, their brains are not fully developed. So when you're 18 and 19 years old, you're very, very impressionable. And uh, when when you're in that situation and a preacher is up there telling you you're going to go to hell if you die today, you listen to him. You take it seriously. It's not so much when you're 45. If I were to be in that situation now, knowing what I know, I, I'd probably laugh at the guy. Think I, I would just laugh in his face. But when you're 18, you take it seriously. It's just your your brain isn't fully developed. Well, I guess the saying that goes, if you were born in Israel, you would have been Jew. If you were born in Saudi Arabia, you would have been Muslim. If you were born in America, you would have been Christian. That applies here. Maybe in America, not so much now as it was maybe 100 years ago, but people are uh, alienated from Christianity for the most part in America, mm. even the Christians. Sad. It feels like they're more hypocrites than the true Christians. People who just pray and do their daily devotions, they talk goodness of God and um, out there in society and community socialize and talk about goodness and righteousness and being conscious, but their actual life doesn't really portray that. Well, it seems discouraging at times, but uh, other times there are times you feel like there is hope for humanity. It comes down to us being emotional again. Sometimes our emotions dictate how we how we perceive humanity. Yeah, but oftentimes. like you said, emotions are emotions. They are. They are controllable. They are not something yes. that we are not at charge. So if we are able to control our emotions and educate ourselves and to the society we are living, the morals and what is good and bad and what is right and wrong, then there shouldn't be any problem. <laughs> I, I, I get it, honey. I understand what you're saying. Mm. So last question, and maybe we'll end this talk. All right. With this last Bring question, unless you have something else you want to add. This has been easy so far. I thought you were going to challenge me. Honey, I never challenge you. I know your ability and I will challenge you to the... <laughs> up to your ability <laughs> she says I never challenge you <laughs> I never challenge you did I ever challenge you no never no I'm serious if I did yeah. it's the right time to say it nope it's been ideal from day one tell me never been a challenge there's never been a challenge ever. There is no challenge. Nope. I didn't bring anything to your life that challenged Absolutely. you from my side. Did I? Absolutely. Nope. Never. I just agreed and accepted anything you brought into my life. Absolutely. And I'm living 
with that. Absolutely. You're right. This pregnant pause in our conversation is brought to you by the episode sponsor for today. <laughs> Why are you sarcastic? I'm not sarcastic. You've been perfect, honey. I'm not perfect. I have my flaws too. Okay. But circumstances that happen that make me upset and mad, there's always a question from my side to you. And there's always a doubt in my mind whether my husband really loved me. What does love mean in my husband's dictionary? Or the vow that we gave to each other in Taiwan, in the church. What does that mean, actually? Anyways, let's do this and finish. So, right. I have my last questions, Jane. Question. Okay, sweetness. So, what do you admire most in Christians? I mean, there are different religions around the world. Basically, everybody says the same. There is a God and they want to do good on earth. They want to help each other and so on. So, what... What really makes you admire Christians? Uh, I, I don't know if I can answer that. Like, uh, just taking all Christians in and and making them one massive. Uh, I mean, a true thing. Christian, I, I, a true Christian. Let's say that. Well, what I what I was getting at is that there's a lot of people who who say they're Christians, and then there's people that are actually Christians, and usually the people that are the real Christians. They don't go around wearing their their faith on their sleeve, going around telling everyone, "Hey, I'm a good Christian. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. We're doing a Bible study. You can." And I'm not saying that you shouldn't invite people to your Bible study. I'm just saying that that oftentimes the most vocal Christians are they they sometimes uh, don't really reflect Christian values and the Christian lifestyle. Other times, the people who they keep quiet. You never hear anything about anything regarding faith. They're the most solid Christians. They're the most solid people, and they're the most trustworthy people. So I can't say that there's like qualities that I admire in Christians as a whole, but I will say that there are certain people, or, or I could say certain groups of people that I admire. Uh, but it, it's not like I can say I admire this quality, I admire that quality. There's different qualities that you admire in different people. So I, I I think I understand your question, but I'm not sure that I can really adequately answer it to your satisfaction. Well, I would like to share my idea as well on this question since it's the closing of our episode today. Uh, I have met a lot of Christians in my life, and I categorize them in two groups. And I just want to talk about those that I admire, and I think they are faithful believers, um, and they had very big impact, huge impact, positive impact in my life, my sister's life as well. Uh, what makes me to admire them the most is how they how they are service minded, and they are selfless when they promise and they get involved in a ministry to. Do something good, positive for the community and society. They will do it to the best of their ability, and above all, that hundred percent trust that they have in God and Holy Spirit to guide them. Uh, they might not be rich, they might not have enough education, but they will go forth, stretch their hand, close their eyes, 
but they believe that if they walk forward, their fingers and hands can touch somebody's life. I admire them. And I think one more unique thing about uh, true real Christians I've met in my life was that when they really said they love their neighbors and enemies, they really do. And I have seen with my own bare eyes that they get hurt along the way, but they never lose faith and they never give up on that person or that uh, particular individual. And that's, that made me to admire true believers and Christians. And it no, kind of gave me um, big faith and make my faith even more stronger. Yeah, it's those people who sacrifice and, and they do what's uncomfortable that inspires you to want to do it. Some people don't inspire you at all. Uh, it's a little discouraging to see people's behavior, uh, when, especially when they call themselves Christians. But other other times, that's why I say you can't just lump everybody that says they're a Christian into one mass of humanity. There are good people and there are bad people, mm-hmm. all all of whom call themselves Christians. So there are certain people that I admire, but I admire different people for different reasons. But I think that the ideals of the Christian faith are, are noble. And when they're proper, properly understood, taken in the proper context, they're they're noble and they're worthwhile and they're worthy of pursuit. Um, oftentimes people take things out of context and they make a, a completely different religion other than what Jesus advocated. But um, what do you do with that? That's just that's just people being people. So there are times where we have to we have to be noble in our own right when we're dealing with people who seem to be not walking the walk, as they say. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, this has been a stimulating conversation. I <laughs> always, it's always interesting when Sana says, "James, I have some questions to ask you." I get, I'm, I, I admit that I get a little bit nervous. My heart uh, it raises its heart rate just a little bit, but uh, it's 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 always nice to hear Sana either sharing her perspectives on things or bringing out perspectives from others and it's a pleasure to share the mic with you on this little show and we hope people enjoyed it and you can find us on the web at jamesandsana.com no www nonsense it's just just type in jamesandsana.com <laughs> i'm james and i'm sana and we will be in your earballs very soon